You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. It's always the same house. I see it from a distance, an aerial view. And then I find myself inside, wandering the halls, searching for my room. And that's all I want. A room with a door I can close, a door that locks. The sheets are dirty and the blanket is covered with stains and cigarette burns, but I don't care. It feels good. It feels safe and warm. And just as I'm drifting off, the intercom starts buzzing. Under the white noise, I hear whispering. A disembodied voice trying to tell me something, trying to warn me. Charles Burns is a graphic artist and a graphic novelist. He's the author of Big Baby, El Borba, Skin Deep, and Black Hole. His new trilogy began with x Out. His newest book is The Hive. Thank you for joining me, Charles. Yeah, thanks. This is such a wonderful book. It's yet another nightmare brought to life. <laughs> and I think it's interesting that you begin with this kind of vision of unreal romance. This is a graphic novel where we see the pages of a comic book, and the way you've rendered the drawings, it looks like a classic old American romance comic with letters in an indecipherable language. And I thought that was a really fascinating way to begin the second part of this series. Sure. I mean, I've always been drawn to kind of classic romance comics. There's, there's, they were, they were popular in the 1950s, and and uh, I don't know. I, I always I always like the idea that there was a little snippet of life. That there were stories that weren't about that weren't about superheroes. They weren't horror stories, normally. Um, but there were there was. I just like the idea that there were kind of middle aged men that were writing these stories, these these lessons in life for you know, 10, 11, 12 year old girls. And there was, I always found these kind of great truths that kind of seeped up to the surface sometimes. Do you have some of those? Uh, yes, I have. I mean, I, I guess I, initially I think I was probably drawn to the, the, the look of them, this kind of style from the 50s. And it was, again, it was something, there was something about, you know, young couples in love and kind of domestic situations that I was more interested in than a lot of other styles of comics. So early on, before I really started writing my own stories, I was doing drawings based on some of these uh, comics I was looking at, and, and but moving them into maybe a slightly darker situation. Were there a particular series or authors that you liked? I, I generally would, you know, yeah, they're all over the board. There are different publishers. There's some that were actually very kind of beautiful and elegant looking drawings. And then I was also drawn to the, the cheapest, cheapest ones that were just there, there were artists and writers that were making no money at all, but they were not really being edited. So, again, you would find these these quirky things that would come through. There were always, uh, I don't know. I mean, generally the stories are about, uh, you know, a, a young girl who's, you know, the the boy next door loves her, but she wants something more wild and exciting. or, or and, and so she kind of chases after something more exotic, but she learns her lesson, and the, the boy next door is still waiting for her. So that, you know these kind of these kind of truths that kind of that come that get cycled through all these stories. Um, there, there's there's deviations you know from those, but I mean there normally there's like one or two stories that are get told over and over and over, 
and there's a there's a portion of I'm working on the third book. There's a portion that that uh, one of the characters is talking about romance comics, and she's saying, you know, the stories are all the same, but I love them all anyway, and I and I keep reading them all anyway, and that's kind of the way I I feel about it too. Well, that's interesting. Uh, you have an interesting sense of of story in this book because, in in a way. The story that you described is not unlike the story that we find in this book, churned through a sort of nightmare filter. Right, right. Talk about uh, writing this as a trilogy. This is an interesting length of work for you. It's less than Black Hole, but maybe more than some of your other work. And it's also rendered in color, which right. is, adds a whole new layer of complexity for you, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I wanted to do a—I yeah, I felt, I felt satisfied with— Black Hole. I'd worked on that for a long time, um, and that felt very complete. And there was always there's always this kind of transition period where you you want to move on to something else, and something's challenging, and something is new. And I and and I had grown up with reading uh, Hergé's Tintin series. Uh, I was one of the rare American kids of my generation who who got his hands on Tintin books when I was very very little. And and I really I've just found my way into those books. I really uh, there was something about the the kind of lush color and the characters and just the kind of exotic locales that that really, you know, I just, I, I looked at those and looked at those and looked at those forever and kind of just internalized some of the, the kind of the feel or atmosphere of some of those stories. And, and I wanted to do, I, want, I felt like I wanted to do something that wasn't reflecting his style of storytelling or th- those kinds of characters, but something that had that kind of richness to it. And I wanted to use color in a way that wouldn't just be a colorized version of my black and white comics. I wanted to use color as a storytelling device, and that that's been the the challenge, or or something that's very, you know, getting like you were saying a new, I'd say a new set of tools that you can work with to to tell a story. Uh, for example, you you simply don't have to you don't have to you can make associations without explaining something. You know, it was a pink bedspread. You see a pink bedspread, and you saw a pink bedspread five pages back, and you start making those associations, and 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 those kinds of colors can kind of build up. So it has a descriptive quality that uh, that that is is really intriguing to work with. Trying to trying to trying to see how you can tell a story using color. It struck me, too, how layered the storytelling is in this. And that there's all these different layers. And I, I love the idea of using uh, color as a layer and, and because the associations we make as readers and uh, is are kind of subconscious. The cues are subconscious. And that's mm-hmm. one thing I think that's very different about your books from almost any other kind of uh, graphic novel is that the experience to me feels more like reading just pure prose mm-hmm. than it does reading a, a normal graphic novel where you're yeah, kind of going back and forth. And, and I like that feeling. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I, you were talking about encountering Tintin as a youth. Mm-hmm. And I'd like you to just talk a little bit about that feeling of that kind of secret world because it's so interesting when, as a child, you encounter something and it's your secret and you kind of hold it to you. Right. That, that, yeah, that's 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 true. And I, I guess one thing that's important, uh, you, you mentioned too that uh, at, at some point I, I have uh, you know, the, the, the story, The Hive begins with this romance comic, but it's in a, in a text, kind of a foreign text that you can't read. Uh, I started looking at comics before I could read. And I, you know, I knew there were stories there. I had them read to me, but there was there was something about that mystery of, you know, knowing that there's that text in there and that and that story, but but only being able to access the, uh, you know, the the 
the visual portion of it. Um, and so there, there were elements in, in the Tintin stories that I was, I, you know, there, there, there was, there's things I just didn't understand, but I was making up a richer story in my head when I was a kid just bec- because I was, I was looking at those images so carefully. Uh, for example, there's in The Secret of the Unicorn, uh, Tintin's thrown into the, or he's, he's kidnapped and put into this basement and he wakes up. Uh, after being chloroformed, and he hears this voice somewhere, and he's 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 scared. You can see the sweats popping off of him, and and he 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 keeps following the sound of this voice. And in the wall, eventually, you, know, you hear this voice saying, "Come over closer, come closer, uh, come over to the intercom." Of course, I had no idea what an intercom was. I'm just seeing this hole embedded in the wall, and to me, it looks like this disembodied mouth or this kind of horrible eye. And it's and I, I know that there's words coming out of it. So even that kind of imagery pops up in, in this story, that kind of, not subconscious, but that kind of rich dream imagery that, 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 that is just kind of embedded in my head. And, and this is a, I, like, I like playing with those kinds of ideas and, and trying to bring that feeling to life in the story. Well, I have to say, you certainly succeed. When Talk about, do you, or do you, Write down your dreams. Are they? Do they actually inform the story and your storytelling style? I, I I pay attention to them in the sense that I, I I try to think about what that dream logic is. There's the dream logic when you where you think, okay, what is what's the part I, I remember, and 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 when you start pulling it apart, it's very boring. If if anybody uh, if anybody says, oh, I had this great dream last night, you know that you're usually in for a pretty bad, like, okay. And then I found myself naked walking down the halls of, you know, my high school. Anyway, uh, but what I, I just, I guess what I try to do is 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 focus in on that feeling, that kind of, that, that, that disassociation, that, that, that um, I don't know, it, that, that atmosphere, um, paying attention to the law, the dream logic that instead of just that strict uh, linear narrative. You know, we were talking a bit earlier about the layers of this, and I love the layers of this because as readers putting this together, the story together is really rich and, and exciting. There's the the green guys layer, the, <laughs> the hive queen layer, the punk rock layer, the bandaged head layer, the old man layer, pig mm-hmm. fetus layer, flood yeah. layer. Right. Now, a, as a writer... Do you have have you pulled those all apart and are you putting them back together or are you just weaving them kind of are they all like in a cloud behind your mind pen it's it's a combination of those things I, I when I'm writing or just my every day I sit down um, and just write and and I and I write in notebooks and I try not to I, I try not to censor myself in any way. So there's there's ideas and there's 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 situations that come back again and again and again and I and I and I, and I try to you know find a way of, of pulling all those little threads together. Yeah. So so everything that every every element that's been introduced in the story is there for a reason and it's and it's going to be pulled through the hopefully unless I screw up uh, it'll be pulled through you know by the time you get to the the end of the last book uh, all those threads should be you know pulled together. It's the plan anyway. It, it's such an interesting uh, story because it has lots of elements of mis- mystery fiction to it, just trying, and science fiction too, in terms of trying to put together what this world is you're showing us. And, and I think that's one of the things that really interests me about this book. Talk about the kind of 
world building that you're doing here. You're creating a couple of different worlds. And so I'd like you to talk about how much you have explored those worlds out beyond the bounds of what you have showed us and what you will show us. Yeah, every time I write, I, yeah, there, there, is, there is a lot of things that I, like, again, I take notes constantly, and, there, and, and I know all kinds of things that happen to the characters that exist in, in, in their worlds that, that are not necessarily ever going to, you know, be shown necessarily. Um, but, I mean, I, li- I like the idea of having, having the story where there's, there's, there's these two, two major threads that are playing off of each other and kind of reflecting each other. Uh, in The Hive, there's a, we were talking about romance comics earlier, there's, there's one character in the kind of alternative uh, uh, faux Tintin world. Uh, she's reading romance comics, and, and, and she's basically, she's talking about this story that she's reading, and it, and it is pretty much the story that's happening in, in the other world, the real world, uh, what's, what's happening to the, the protagonist and, 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 and his whole world. So there, there's, there's kind of this play back and forth. So you're getting information in, in different ways, and, that, and that, that kind of information builds up. And, and I, you know, most of my stories, I, I, have a t- I don't like handing out answers necessarily. I've got the answers in my head, but I don't like necessarily providing those answers. So uh, you know, the, the mystery is always, you know, finding your way into the mystery is much more interesting for me than, than being spoon-fed an answer. Oh, no, that's the, the thrill of reading this is, is the constant uh, feeling. I, I think uh, the primary feel when we read this, and I think what you're going for, is this feeling of being on the verge of a revelation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a religious feeling, I think. Oh, that's funny. I, I, I wouldn't think of it in those terms, but that's interesting. Um, recently, just, just for fun, I printed out, printed out the, all the, the complete story so far and snipped it up. And and put everything in a in a linear fashion to just to just have some sense of you know how that story would feel when you did that and it, it was a very odd thing because it starts turning into a very very different story it's it's odd you know in your mind that's what you're doing you're 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 remembering how this thread oh, oh yeah I remember that you know okay that's his dad's uh, pink bedspread that has you know cigarette burns on it you, there's there's elements that you that you come back to again and again but um, but putting it into this very strict linear narrative is it suddenly turns into a very a very different kind of story so it was just for me it was just kind of an experiment to to see how that would play out or how that would feel well that's such an interesting idea because uh, i think story is really really what makes these books so powerful is how powerful the force of the story is and maybe that's what i'm thinking of when i'm talking about this feeling of revelation mm-hmm. and so it's interesting that the the story is not so plot oriented in some ways that when you pull it apart it becomes a, a different kind yeah, right, of story right. yeah yeah i know it's yeah it, it's not it's not about you know it's not about boy meets girl necessarily i, I mean when i when i started out the story my first take on it was that oh i'm going to do a story about uh, the time that I was living uh, around here, actually in the Bay Area, and going to see punk bands and the, the kind of you know what I was experiencing at that point in my life—this very, you know, strong, exciting, fun time—reflecting on that. 
And as I started working on it, I realized that, you know, that's, maybe that's the setting, you know, for a portion of the story. And what makes it interesting to work on, on any on any story or comic is is that you, you have that kind of discovery that there's there's ideas that you know, maybe there's a little subplot that seemed, you know, not very important at first. Uh, and that starts to build as you're you know, building significance as you're working. So that, that kind of discovery is always is what makes it, you know, enjoyable for me to, you know, pull me through and keep continuing to work on these stories. One of the things I think that's uh, makes this such a, a powerful reading experience is this your vision of the other world. And I think we other worlds have, you know, are always part of our storytelling mm-hmm. uh, experience from the very beginning. Uh, when we're sitting around talking, telling myths, we were might be talking on one hand about the cows that we that we killed or, you know, the, the, the meat we brought back from the fire. And then the other hand, we would create this complete other world where our conflicts were mirrored in the, in the lives of the gods mm-hmm. or, you know, in the lives of the fairy or whatever the, our particular sure. other world is. And you've created a very interesting other world. And I'd like you to talk about that, how, creating this kind of uh, surreal reality. You called it Tintin-like. I well, would say more yeah, by... I, I haven't really, yeah, I haven't really, there's, I, I would just saying that as a reference point, I mean, I, it, it's never really named, and it really has nothing to do with Tintin. I guess I was thinking of the part that feels like it's, you know, I don't know, set in this kind of alien, uh, uh, you know, foreign environment. Um, it does maybe feel Middle Eastern in some ways. Well, I mean, I think that's probably a little bit of the, the influence of, you know, the, the, there's references to William Burroughs' work, um, the, the, the protagonist. Dave is like is this kid who's a performance artist and he's reading William Burroughs and he's trying to do he's doing like some pub some performance pieces that involve cut up writing so I think part of that whole maybe the part of the locale has a little bit of that kind of exotic world of Tintin or the places that he was traveling but it certainly has that sense or feeling of of the interzone that you that you experience when reading reading William Burroughs Naked Lunch for example or or some of his cut up writing was that was that you standing in the club in the 1970s with a cassette uh, player strapped to your chest and reciting William Burroughs? Um, that was me standing in a you know getting up on stage with a cassette deck around my neck. Indeed, I don't I don't my memory is I mean I know that I was reading William Burroughs. You know I was a card card carrying punk for a little while. That's I feel you know when you're. When you're middle aged and talking like that, it's always a little bit embarrassing. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of embraced that world when I was when I was living it. Um, but yeah, I did I did ridiculous performance things, performance pieces. The 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 story of the protagonist Dave really is is you know a stand in for me in a certain way. Um, not completely, but but I was he's an art student. He was interested in photography. Uh, he's he's doing performance pieces. Um, yeah, and being enamored with this, you know, this exotic, this exotic girl. Um, so yeah, he's, a, he's certainly a stand-in for myself during that period of my life. The punk scene is really interesting because it was so anarchic mm-hmm. and, and creativity was embraced in so many ways. And I'd like you to talk about how participating in that and writing about that your writing also reflects some of that. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of two layers of punk encapsulated <laughs> in this. Right. Oh, I mean, my, my feeling was that at that time, you know, I had, I had lived through the, you know, lived through the kind of 
the, the, the hippie Arab. I was too young to be a hippie. And there was there was something, you know, after after that kind of after that wave kind of crashed on the beach and, and, and but there were still all these kind of I don't know, these this this I don't know uh, false optimism maybe uh you know this this dreamy dreamy druggy uh musicians that are that are that are still holding on to this hippie dream there was something so refreshing about having that stripped away and and being able to say no i'm not necessarily happy all the time uh no the you know everything is not beautiful maybe uh so that that was really refreshing and and the and another thing was that i really embraced was the idea that you could, you and your friends could get up on stage and, and perform and do something. And you weren't reliant on, I don't know, expensive equipment or, you know, chasing after recording contracts necessarily. But it, it was it was much more of a, a social uh, social situation. And it was fun. It was it was it was it was exciting. I, I, I most of the most of the musicians I knew came out of art school. It was kind of had that kind of sense of, um, you know, kind of like the kids who had their ass kicked in school and, and suddenly they could get up on stage and, and, you know, not turn, not turn the tables, but just, you know, take control of their own lives and, and, and create something that, that was new and fun. And, uh, and, and also was very immediate too. I mean, my sense at that time was, it was you could you know some news event would happen and you know a, a week later you'd be singing a song on stage about that I don't know test tube babies or whatever that might be, um, so yeah that was that was something that I responded to that that idea of I mean now it's a it's really a cliche now but the idea of doing it yourself being self reliant um, when I was starting to do my comics one one thing that I really loved about comics was the fact that. That it's a medium that you can completely control. Uh, you can you write it, you can draw it, you can go down to the copy center and, and copy it and staple it together and hand it to your friends. It's something that you you know you're not. It's not like a movie. It's not. It's not like you know waiting to get into a gallery or something like that. I had gone to art school and tried painting and drawing and photography, and there was something very immediate about. Telling stories, you could you could you could have a, a book printed up, and for a, a few dollars, someone could uh, afford to have your work. And it wasn't something that you'd have to you know spend a week working on a painting or two weeks, and then hopefully selling it for a, you know hundreds of dollars, uh, you know, and then never seeing it again. There was something I liked working in multiples. I liked uh, I liked I liked uh, telling stories. I liked uh, I liked the immediacy of it. The the story in this in this these books is really intense, and one of the things that I love about it is some of this is your art, and some of this is the story. This feeling of the forbidden. There's an edge of the kind of uh, unky pornographic feel mm, of right. it. Um, those like those you know when you if, when you're a kid when you're 11 years old and you go to the back of the liquor store and mm-hmm. look at the Mickey Spillane book covers and go, Think, <laughs> things you shouldn't be looking at or, or that maybe maybe give you a feeling that that you don't know whether you like it or whether you whether you don't like it whether it's repulsive or whether it's attractive you know when you have those kinds of questions so I do play with those kinds of images that you know is that is you know how do you respond to that how do you how do you feel about that um 
I mean, I, right now I'm, in the, I'm working on the third book, and I, as I left, you know, to go on on this book tour, I was working on this, and I was like, "Can I draw this? I don't, I don't know whether there's something I, you know, it's, you know, it's funny to say, but there's like, do I feel comfortable doing this? I know when I was working on Black Hole, there were some, I remember working, you know, writing notes down that I don't know if I can, you know, if this is okay to do. <laughs> I mean, it made, you know, it was on that edge of something that's repulsive but it's also something that I thought up so it's I you know I, I wanted to acknowledge that and think about that um, I, I I didn't realize it earlier on in my in, in, in some of the earlier stories I was doing but I I know that I was I was doing some self-censoring nobody was censoring me I, I was always working for publishers that allowed me to, to do whatever I wanted um, but I know there was things that I that I didn't there's there's some thresholds that I did not cross, and when I, especially when I started, by the time I started Black Hole, I I, I really wanted to get past that and and to allow my you know to, to to not have anybody looking over my shoulder or think about anybody looking over my shoulder, and um, yeah, so some of those the kind of images or those feelings that, that 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 come up to the surface in in these new books, yeah, there there's things that I feel uncomfortable about. Um, and I think that's we feel that too, and that that's one of the things that makes this feeling of revelation mm-hmm. both entrancing but also scary. The horror genre is somewhat hovers around the edges of these books. They're mm-hmm. not um, uh, cat jumping scares. Yeah, yeah. I've always, I always, I mean, I always when I talk about that, I, I, I never really respond to that kind of visceral, you know, someone's, if you, the, the person's backing up to a window and you know something's going to smash through the window. I mean, yeah, of course you're going to have a reaction to that. Um, the, the images that I come up with or the ideas I come up with, there's, I'm never doing it for a kind of a gratuitous, gratuitous reason. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not showing something that's sexual just to to have this kind of titillating moment. Like this will this will sell some copies or something like that. I I really am trying to examine, you know, my characters or myself and and thinking about you know sexuality. What is sexuality, for example? Uh, uh, Black Hole examines that quite a bit, and there's certainly a lot in the uh, in the the two books that are out right now. I I would call this, in a sense, this is discomfort reading. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going out of my way to, you know, to to make anyone uncomfortable. But I. But I also at the same time want to have something that's authentic and something that's my voice and something that I care about. Um, yeah, that's 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 the reason. I'm... Now, when you're creating characters uh, to explore this world, uh, we have Dave, who who's. You know, kind of a nice guy. He's an artist. He's talented. We get that feeling, and he's smart. And, and you establish that by uh, citing some of the you know artistic references, and I think that that works out really well. So, talk about like putting all these references to other artists in here, from the comic books we talked about earlier mm-hmm. to the surreal photographers that we mentioned as well. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a number of. I mean, I guess what I'm reflecting on my experience at that time in art school, where you're discovering this whole world out there, and you're finding you're finding those voices or those artists that that really you know that, that kind of resonate and have a, a real strength to the work. Uh, one of the I was a photographer. Um, I still do photographs, but but I I 
studied photography or learned how to do darkroom photography. And but I was also really drawn to at that point was the only instant photography doing you know, using Polaroid film and Polaroid cameras. Uh, there was a, there was there was Lucas Samaras that I reference in the book, and he was someone that I that I looked at. He was, you know just had this, you know, this real intensity. Um, he was someone who was known primarily as a sculptor, and then he moved into photography, uh, doing self portraits, manipulating the you know kind of pushing the emulsion around on his on his self portraits. So he's creating these creatures and beasts, uh, these these very intense. Um, images and and I really responded to that and and of course you know when you're in school you you emulate that you try to imitate that I did my bad versions of all that I did I did bad like I said I did bad performance art you know bad you know I think wow I can you know I can check out the you know the half inch reel to reel black and white uh, video cameras and I can you know set that up and do some performance piece and and luckily that stuff has never you know ever gotten out there in the real world but but it was something that I enjoyed doing it was part of my life and I'm glad I'm glad I was able to to do those things uh, um, I had that kind of freedom um, so yeah the, the, the kinds of references that I that I bring up in the story were thing you know had that feeling of being in school or that age and discovering discovering you know very intense things in, in, in discovering great art um, yeah, I would. I would. I was looking at finding great old comics, and and those seemed really rich to me. I was uh, looking at um, a lot of photography, sculpture, painting. Uh, I I looked at uh, the Chicago Chicago imagists. Like uh, uh, there's, yeah, a lot of a lot of artists that that were just exciting, and and I wanted to kind of have that sense of being that age and having that discovery, and and uh, that's what the references are. Yeah. Well. Too, I I think that what interested me when you uh, when they talk about the the Polaroids in here, mm-hmm. I was thinking how analog that is, yes, yeah. and and how tactile it is, and that's the way these books feel. They don't, even though presumably there's some digitization that occurs at some point mm-hmm. in in the procedure. I think that they have a real feel of you know hand crafting somebody drew this and there's just a feel of uh, muscularity huh, how, how, talk about creating that kind of muscular feel I mean these books that's, feel that's, like that's that's interesting I mean I've never that's an interesting observation uh, I, I maybe part of it has to do with the way I work I, I I build up my drawings from when I'm starting out they're they're almost constructed the way I don't know if you like under under paintings so that the, I, I pentimento I mean, I, I work with like very, very rough, rough gestural drawings, and then I refine them and refine them and refine them and refine them. And refine, you know, I, I've had people say like, you know, how do you make those lines? Um, you're saying that they look hand drawn. There's people who say like, you do that on a computer, right? Or, or something like they, they can't like those human hands didn't make those lines. When they're yeah, they're just brush lines. Uh, or people said, oh, you took a, you know an exacto razor blade and cut those lines very carefully with you know with templates or something like that. But or you know. I get, but very often it's like, oh, you had to make those things on a computer. When uh, so it's it's nice to to know that they they seem at least you know handmade to you. That's good. I mean, uh, you know, the only thing I was responding to right now is just the fact that you know there's that kind of underdrawing and that it gets that kind of reduction. So you're you're seeing that you're seeing I don't know a coating under that muscular drawing. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's <laughs> what it is. I'm not. That's an interesting thought. 
Well, I think, too, it has to do with your subjects, which are so kind of uh, – there's a, a this feeling of the risque. Talk about creating the different characters in here, uh, Dave and Sarah and some of the, the, the creatures that we see in, in the other world. The, the creatures that are really interest me, I'm a monster hound, I admit. That's funny. So, uh, I mean uh, – how did you uh, – and there's, there's so many uh, – oh, there's the grub layer. Oh, my God. I forgot about the grub layer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's funny. I, in some ways, I don't even know how to, to answer those questions. Uh, so many of the of the things that I draw, I've been drawing forever. And they, they come up. They kind of bubble up to the surface in one form or another. But, you know, the, the kind of green creatures look a little bit like this little clay creature that I, you know, made when I was – seven years old, you know, and looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, a little piece of, you know, a little yellow piece of clay for eyes that's kind of squished on there and a thumbnail that makes that slit of an eye. So it's just, it's things that I've looked at and internalized and thought about. So they're just a part of me. And so when they, you know, they manifest themselves in, in the stories, they're, yeah, they've, they're just a part of me that's been there for a long time. Um, as far as creating characters, all the characters in one way or another reflect some aspect of myself, at least the more recent characters. Um, in Black Hole, you've got, you've got two major protagonists. You've got the you know, female character and male character and you know, all their friends. And, and so, yeah, I put myself or, or, or people who are very close to me into all those characters, you know, looking, looking at little you know, aspects of your personality, your own personality, one's own personality. Um, is there an? I have to ask. Is there like an ebook version of this, or uh, not that I've seen? So, and I'm, not that I signed off on my no. contracts. So. <laughs> well, uh, well, well, you for, never know what's out there in the in in that world. But no, there is the way that I construct a book. I mean, it's really meant to be read as a book. The mm-hmm. way I write the story, you're you're opening it up and you're seeing two pages facing each other. It's not really meant to be seen a panel at a time. Mm-hmm. You're meant. You're looking. You're looking at those two pages that that play off of each other. Uh, your eye is, you know, supposed to. You're supposed to start up in the, you know, the upper left hand corner and, and make your way across. But your eye is already always darting forward, ref, you know, going back and forth and back and forth. And you're and whether it's conscious or not, you're you're making those those associations between this page and that page. You're seeing echoes of one one image on this page that that's then echoed on the other page and those things are important if you're if you're putting it on a you know a, a, a ebook or a reader it's you're looking at i guess you can zero in and focus in on one panel and maybe it's easier to read that way but it's not it's not meant to be read that way it's meant to i mean i'm creating it as a book uh, i love the I, I make no mistake about it i love the paper and print book my only thought is is that you had mentioned earlier that you write out i guess mm. you have Pages of notebooks. Oh, I yeah. would love to see those notebooks. You probably, you, notebooks. you probably would not want to read those. I mean, <laughs> what's what's interesting? I've talked with Chris about this as well. Um, there's some ideas when I'm when I'm working on a story, and I'm working and working, and I'm trying to find. Basically, I know the plot. I know what the it, it's about. It's about how you tell a story or how that that story unfolds, um, how you get that story across. And so there's occasions where I have this this what feels like a revelation, like oh my god, you know, that's that's the solution, uh, you know here you know here's how we resolve this situation. It's perfect perfect resolution. And then I realize that you know 
in notebooks two years earlier, I had the exact, almost word for word notes about of the exactly the same thing. So it's all that, all those, all those things are are in your brain or in my brain somewhere, and, it, and it's it's very strange to kind of access them that way. Like it was there, you already you already found that solution, but you know, then you, you had to, you had to come back to it, have it cycle through again and again and again. Well, I think your your sense of story is is so unique, and I'm wondering what other because it combines the the you know the the colors tell part of the story mm-hmm. and the pal- the way the palette's developing tells part of the story that obviously the text does and what's happening does, and I'd like you to talk about the interaction of those three for you. Um, it seems like that just kind of rains down on the page. Yeah, I mean, I. Ideally, ideally, for me anyway, with with good comics, you you can't you can't understand the story without the text. You can't understand the text without the images. You, those things play off of each other. They, they 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 you you put those those elements together to create the story. Um, so in this case, it's true. Use you know using the color as well. You know when you look at the color purple, and, and you know in, in one context, and you see it in another context, your your mind is thinking like, okay, where did I see that before? And what is you know, your it's a, it's a trigger, um, to, to to you know whether you're conscious of it or not. So, yeah, all the all those elements are are, are it takes me a long long time to kind of try uh, to distill all those elements down into the story. I still find myself, you know. You know, writing dialogue or, or things that are you know I think you know, never explain, never explain, just show. So that's that's the difficult thing for me sometimes. I I have to find the right way to to get that story across. So um, you actually knew the whole plot of this before you embarked upon writing the, the, it out. The, the structure of it, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I mean the the basic story. Um, what I think I was mentioning before. What's interesting to me is 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 there's elements that take on greater meaning or more importance uh, that that I didn't anticipate um that's what makes it interesting yeah it it's something that's it's not nailed down if i had to if i sat down and and scripted everything out and 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 then kind of illustrated that script it would have you know i'd jump off a bridge I, you know that you know it's life is life is too short you know what's nice is is and it doesn't happen all the time but but it's the discovery of something that you didn't anticipate that's and it's something that it's not a matter of having something take on a life of its own, but it's 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 discovering something that you didn't know before. How often does story and plot bubble up out of an image that you draw or that arrives that you that's, come in your mind? That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Um, I think may, maybe in earlier stories, I think I think earlier on I used to. You know, I, I keep notebooks and and make notations all the time, and usually they're they're notations, they're 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 ideas. Um, but occasionally, I'll occasionally I'll back away when I when I when I feel like I'm like things aren't fitting together. I'll back away and do something that's purely visual, um, more like the kinds of images that that are up are on the covers, something that doesn't have a narrative attached to it. But and so out of that, you, there, there's there's ideas that come out of something that's purely visual. But even, you know, I, I, I was saying before about the, the being a, a, a tiny little kid and, you know, reading this 
Tintin story where he's looking at this this intercom on the wall. I mean that th- that kind of image comes into this story, and you know it means something to me. And 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 if and if I can put that across, that's and so if the reader has that kind of feeling that I had, uh, then that's you know that's that's what I'm getting at. Now you're working on the third book of this of this story. Yeah. Do you have other stories going on at the same time? And is there any kind of like crosstalk between those? You mean like an, another, uh, another another series or another yeah. story? Not yeah, I, I not really. I mean, I I unfortunately I tend to be you know I'm not a multitasker. I really I. I work on one project at a time. It, you know, it'd be nice to be able to have, you know, my, my brain just doesn't work that way. I, I, I wish it did. Um, in this series of books, I'm, I'm juggling a lot of ideas and a lot of, as you're saying, layers of layers of stories and story threads. And, and yeah, I find myself, that's, that's plenty for me to, to try to work with. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, there's, there's, there's uh, some other elements that I, like I was saying, there's some little pieces that, that are, Kind of peripheral projects that that may feed into it, but uh, primarily, like this is yeah, you know, this is the, the the center of it, the the story that I'm working on. Do you think you might explore this world further beyond this particular story? That is, that's another good question. Uh, I mean, in the back of my mind, I think you know, I think like I like. I like this little, you know, I could, you could take a left turn and go down this little alleyway. Uh, you could take this character or you could take, I don't know, one little tiny element. And, and that seems intriguing to me. I don't, I honestly don't know right now. Um, I'm creating this as a, as a three books that have a beginning, middle and end. So it really, it doesn't, it's not, you know, the further adventures of the, this main character. On the other hand, I certainly, I, I think about, you know where you know where this little element could go. So I I honestly don't know right now. But these are these these will be complete in themselves. And how long will we have to wait for uh, Sugar Skull? Well, that's the question that, that you know I'm out on a book tour of the second book, and everybody is that's the first question I get asked, uh, and I always feel sheepish about that. I'm slow. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's worth the wait. Now, one thing I was wanted to know is that. Part of the things that make these books such a joy is that Pantheon does a hell of a job yes, printing correct. them. And I yeah. wonder how much you work with the publisher and with the people who are, you know, doing the, the initial runouts. Are mm-hmm. you there when they when they roll out the first, uh, uh, you know, do you do a, a print check to make there's, sure the colors a, are right? There's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth. And, and, and you're right. Uh, Pantheon does an amazing job of kind of. You know, allowing allowing us to you know say oh I want this book that's you know this kind of paper and uh, you know beautiful cloth spine and 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 that sort of thing so I mean I'm lucky in the sense that I can design the book that I want my kind of dream book uh, Chris is the same way Chris has this as you're going to find out or talk to him about um, you know amazing amazing book that that I wouldn't think is even possible to you know, get out there in the real world, but he managed to do that. And he managed to do it by working through, you know, the, the people, the editors at, at Pantheon. So, yeah, no, it's 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 a kind of amazing, ideal situation. Well, you know, I, I, now that you mention it, part of the, the story of this book is just in the way they appear. And, and I've seen some of the original Tintins. They do have the really the, the, the size and format and feel yeah, of some of those. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm wondering how much of this kind of when you were 
envisioning the story, how much of the story depended or how much of the story came out of, okay, I've got these beautiful cloth spines and they have this kind of cover and they're this thick. I mean, that's... I mean, that's how I envision the story in three books as as you're seeing them. So, yeah, it really is. That was my intention all along it, there was there wasn't really negotiation about that which was which was nice uh, you know that was my proposal and 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 pantheon books said yes that sounds good um on the other hand i think conceivably down the line you know maybe maybe we'll do an addition you know with everything put together i don't know i mean but the way that i'm writing the story and, and conceiving of the you know the, the, the complete idea is is a set of three books and there's a, you know, there, yeah there's a reason reason for that well I, I one of the things too I think is having these kind of hardcover formats like this they're the kind of books that you know if you left them on your shelf your 12 year old or 11 year old son could find and kind of be <laughs> <laughs> his mind permanently tweaked and that's yeah. important well it's you know it's good to to, to you know to do good parenting, you know, and, and put those books up high. Maybe I don't know. Oh no, uh, leave them down low. That's okay. exactly right. where the kids should find them. All right, there you go. Well, I, you know, I found those books too. Those those rotted my mind. So yeah, I guess I guess that does happen. Um, it's funny that I mean the the format that I'm working in is it it is kind of the standard format over in in France and Belgium, and it's just like that's almost a generic comic book over there. That's what they think of as comic books. But over here, it always, for, for me, it always felt kind of exotic and, you know, just there's something like a hardbound book and it's in color and it's nice paper. And, and, and yeah, that was, that was my kind of, that was my ideal of, you know, wow, that's, that's a great book. That's a good look. You know, there it's standard over in, over in France and Belgium. It's like, ah, oh, it's nothing, nothing new over there. <laughs> well, it's certainly new over here and it's certainly lovely. I've been speaking with Charles Burns. His new book is The Hive. Thank you for joining me, Charles. Yeah, thanks. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.